Welcome to the Basketball at Next podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we're talking about Bradley Beal's trade value. So Bradley Beal is a player who's been in the league for a long time. He's been in Washington. He just finished up his age 29 season, and he is one of the most likely kind of building block players to be traded this offseason. He doesn't have to be. He's got plenty of time left on his contracts, four years. But that's just actually part of the reason that I think Washington wants to move him is he has a gigantic contract. So basically what I wanted to do was walk through what Bradley Beal provides as a player, uh, kind of where I see his value, where I see like an ideal role for him, and then we're obviously going to talk about his contract because he has one of the largest contracts in the league. That's what makes this kind of difficult. It's strange because he has a, a really, really large contract, but he also has a no trade clause. It's more of like a baseball thing. So it's a, it's an interesting situation because a lot of the times we see players right before they hit free agency get traded. You don't see it a lot of the time where so he signed his giant deal last offseason where it's normally the opposite so it's kind of an interesting situation he's been linked to the suns he's been linked to the miami heat so uh let's get into what he is as a player and then we'll we'll talk at the back end of possible destinations return packages etc so Bradley Beal has been in the league for a long time, but his role has switched. So basically, like the first half of his career, he was John Wall's kind of sidekick, where John Wall was the point guard, he was the shooting guard, he was doing more off ball. And since John Wall, he's left the team, Bradley Beal has entered his prime. He's gone from like an off-screen shooter, which is like a, a high-end shooter, to more of an on-ball role. He's been uh, – we have a bunch of on-ball roles. There's shot creator, which is your star role, which is what he was in last year. Before that, two slasher seasons. Uh, before that, a primary ball handler. So it's it's a little bit different what he does every year, but generally – in the second half of his career, because again, he's about to enter his age 30 season. So like early 20s, he was more of an off-ball shooter guy who was the the secondary scorer on the team. And now in the second half of his 20s here in his prime, he's been an on-ball scoring player. So, you know, big macro view of what Bradley Beal is, is he is like your classic shooting guard where he's looking to score. He can score from all three levels. Uh, it's varying degrees of effectiveness, but he can put up you know big time points. You know he averaged thirty points in a season. That that's difficult to do, whether or not you know it was on a good or bad team or efficient or not. Like averaging thirty points in a season, that will. I mean, even me, who's not the biggest like accumulator of stats or box score watcher, it's like oh well, that's kind of interesting. Um, he is a shooting guard that can score, so that's what he is. You know, he's not a huge guy. He's not uh, an insane playmaker. He's not, you know, like a three-point specialist, really the second half of his of his career so far. But I would just say he's just flat out a scorer. If you watch him play, like he's it's weird because he's pretty good at a lot of things. He's not really great at anything, which is a bit of an issue. But what makes the Bradley Beal thing kind of confusing and hard to Hard to figure out like how good he is, is like he was a he was a good player in Washington early in his career. People were excited about him. The potential, it it all made sense. And then he took it to a level. This is back in 2020. So this is a few years ago. So 2020, 
he he's not on a very good team, right? And he just goes bananas. He puts up a crazy O-LeBron, which is our overall offensive impact, like really high-level stuff, like all-NBA-level impact, where he was just doing a ton. And yeah, well, you know, it wasn't the greatest team in the world, whatever, but it was the amount of, of impact he was putting up, the amount of points he was putting up, like it's hard not to like be impressed by it. And this happens sometimes. It was his age 27 season, you know, huge offensive load to grab on not the greatest team. This is where you fill up the box score, yada, yada, yada. But even like LeBron is harder to cheat, right? Where you can score a lot of points, get a lot of rebounds and it, things can look a certain way. Like I talk about this all the time. If you're on a bad team, like, it's not that hard to average like 18 points a game or 20 points a game. 30 points a game is a little bit of a different story. That's pretty crazy. And sometimes this happens where a player will get, you know, really locked in. You know, he was leading up to free agency. He wasn't at free agency yet. But, you know, if you have a couple big seasons, it's going to guarantee you a lot of money. And this just happens sometimes where someone will have a, a crazy season. This was a very, very good season, though. And then he comes back in 21 and he does the same thing, like playing at a really high level, like clearly an all-star level. And probably it would be hard realistically to make an all-NBA team, especially when you're not on a very good team like Washington. But he was playing at like a legit all-star level. It was really, really impressive offensive impact. And then that was 20 and 21. So then the last two years, 22 and 23, it has not been the same. It has not been the same level of impact it has been noticeably like the drop off has been pretty noticeable. It's been difficult because he's missed time the last two years. So that kind of complicates things. 2022 is a little hard because so basically 2020, 2021 is when he's playing at that extremely high offensive level, scoring a crazy amount of points. And then 22, there's an injury shortened season and the team's not very good. And you'd be like, okay, well, there's two years of really good and then one year of kind of not so good. You know, was he playing through injuries? Who knows? And, you know, coming off two years of averaging over 30 points a game, like you, you're going to cut him some slack. And then he gets the giant contract. And I'm talking giant contract where he's going to be making, let me pull up the numbers here. So next year, Heading into the 23-24 season, he's going to be the fourth highest paid player in the league. And it's a little hard with just raw numbers because the cap's always changing. But he's going to be making $46 million next year. And he made $43 million this year. Obviously, it's going to just keep going up a little bit. That's how most contracts work. But it's going to be Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, and then Bradley Beal at fourth as the fourth highest paid player in the league. And that's pretty high. And he's also on the books for... If you count next year, four more years. So basically, you can give four-year contracts or you can give a five-year contract. That's that's the longest contract you can give in the NBA. He got a five-year contract last year. So now he's in year two. Next, next year will be year two of the five-year deal, where, again, he's the fourth highest paid player in the league. So let's zoom in on some of his skills. That's sort of the macro of Bradley Beal. Can score a lot of points. Had crazy offensive impact in 2020 and 2021. Then he had the uh, injury shortened season in 22 where the effectiveness wasn't quite there. A lot of the skills were still pretty good, but the effectiveness wasn't there. And then he gets the big contract. And then this year that just happened, 22-23, it was fine. You know, it's like it, it wasn't like he was a bad player or anything, but he wasn't... 
hey, I gave this guy like one of the biggest contracts in the league type money. So it's hard. Retaining stars is always difficult because if especially if you're not a very good team and you're not in a huge market, it's hard to retain your players. You kind of have to overpay for guys in free agency or guys approaching a free agency or, you know, it's the thing of like you can go to Golden State or you can go to the Lakers or you go to the Celtics or whatever it is. it's more there's other opportunities there besides basketball or like the those franchises will propel you to other opportunities so it's always hard for the smaller market teams but let's get into the skills here Um, we're going to go across the board we're going to go finishing mid-range three points basically like the three levels of scoring we'll talk about the playmaking talk about the ability to score one-on-one and just generally give you what Bradley Beal is now. Because again, he's kind of had not two careers, but he's had two roles basically throughout his career. The beginning half was with John Wall as a secondary guy, which I think is useful because it shows that he is capable of playing in that role. The three-point shooting was better then. Obviously, when you get moved off ball, it's easier to shoot threes, right? That makes sense. You're going to probably catch more stationary shoot threes or said <laughs> stationary twos, or they're going to be running plays to like set you up off screens. That's just going to help things as opposed to trying to self-create everything yourself. Um, but that's good because where he's being traded, he's not going to be like, he's not going to be the best player on a team that he gets traded to because that obviously wouldn't make sense. We've seen that that doesn't work for winning. But in the second half of his career, the second half of his 20s, um, he has been a really good finisher for a guard. Like he gets to the rim pretty well. He finishes around the rim well. That is something he absolutely can do. Uh, Moving on to mid-range talent, it's another place where he's good. Uh, He's had some impressive seasons there, but not like otherworldly and mid-range talent it's one of those things that's nice to have but if you're not one of the top guys it doesn't have the same like the value doesn't scale the same all the way up the the league if that makes sense like being a top 10 guy in the mid-range or top five where you're really really elite that has a ton of value but being the whatever 28th best mid-range shooter it doesn't the 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 value of that isn't like linear as you get better in the league so good finisher Good mid-range shooter, not like crazy at either of those. I'm looking at it just sorting through players in our on-ball roles. So basically, to break it down really easy, we have on-ball players, which are obviously the oftentimes the, the lead players, the star players have the ball a lot. We have off-ball players, which are going to be like your shooters, like Clay Thompson, things like that. And then we have bigs. That's just like the three easiest ways to look at it. So I'm just looking at just versus other on-ball players. And the roles can, like I said at the top, can slightly differ. Like he's been a shot creator. He's been a slasher. He's been a primary ball handler where it's like shot creator, more looking for your own shot, but you are going to run some offense through you. Slasher, you're just really getting to the hoop and you know scoring off that or trying to pass out of that. And then primary ball handler, which is like just kind of running the offense through you. You're still taking shots. So there's just there are different degrees of a similar thing, if that makes sense. Um, but again, the finishing talent, good. It's, it's pretty pretty good. It is definitely well above average for on-ball guys. But Bradley Beal is like obviously an above-average player, so that's to be expected. The mid-range talent throughout his career has been pretty good. It's not. It's one of those things where I would love to give you just like he is the 86th percentile in mid-range talent for the league or whatever. And like I could just average the last three or five years together, but like there's variation. Like 
One year he's 93rd percentile, percentile. One year he's 85th percentile. One year he's 71st, where it's like he's just somewhere. And again, this is versus the the players in on-ball roles. So this is the players that matter. Because if I compare it to like the entire league, I can I could really make it say whatever I want, right? Because if I compare him against a bunch of centers, he's probably gonna have like a pretty good three-point shooting talent, you know what I mean? Or like if I compare him against the entire league, yes, his mid-range talent is gonna jump, but then it's like I it doesn't really matter because you're comparing it to guys that aren't really doing it. So this is guys in a similar role, which is your your on ball, your stars, things like that. Like he's above average at these things, is what I'm trying to get across, but he's by no means elite. He did have like one really crazy mid-range season. But if you only have one out of five, like I can't moving forward think that's who you are. Uh, Three-point shooting talent has been just kind of average for an on-ball guy. If you look at his just raw three-point percentage numbers, they were very good early in his career. Like he has a couple seasons of like shooting over 40%, which is really great. But ever since he shifted out of the role and become more of an on-ball guy without John Wall, without the 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 way that team was sort of set up it's not as impressive it's like 35% uh, 35% 30% 36% where it's like these are more in line with if you look at the Lucas the LeBron's on ball three point generators like it's more in this range where i would say if you're an on-ball guy and you're shooting 35% from three, it's actually really not that bad because the looks are pretty difficult. But he is like a he has some hybrid off-ball shooting to his game. So like if you just look at his overall shot quality, basically is what I'm trying to say, is like you would think if he goes to another team where he's not the top guy, that his shot quality is going to skyrocket because that's what happens a lot of the time. Whether you're a role player or a star player, whatever it is, when you go down the pecking order on a team, your shot quality normally goes up. However, because of Bradley Beal's skill set and the way he's utilized on Washington, his shot quality already isn't very bad. Like for an on-ball player, it's it's already like it's not going to get that much better. I don't think depending on the situation, but probably not. So there's probably not going to be a huge jump there unless he is kicked completely off ball. And he is like a movement shooter, which I think like at a certain point you're losing. Well, one, I don't know how realistic that is with the contract where it's like, you have to match him up with other talent to do like, you have to have multiple players that are better on ball than him to then be an off-ball player. And if he's getting paid, if he's the fourth highest paid player in the league, it's going to be very difficult to end up on a team where that's happening, if that makes sense. Like, sure, could you get him in a situation where you could probably up his three-point talent, up his three-point shot quality, just like make it so that that part of his game blossoms a little bit? Sure. But like realistically, I don't know how you would do that. So those are the three like good finisher, good mid-range shooter, okay three-point shooter like it's not it's not not great he can hit them it's not like he can't it's not like he's like a non-spacing threat or anything but it's just not stellar after that the playmaking has been i mean above average again for on ball guys but i went into it so some of playmaking right the reason we don't just look at assists is because if you just look at assists you have the problem of well, does this player have the ball in his hands every single play? Therefore, he's going to rack up more assists. That's like the general. Uh, that's one of the problems, I guess you'd say, with assists. Like it's a accounting stat. So playmaking talent is much better than that. It doesn't. It doesn't fall to that. 
it doesn't have the same whatever blind spots i guess as assists but there is still a level there always will be it's kind of impossible to separate a level of how much load you have on offense to what you can create as a playmaker because it's like if you never have the ball in your <laughs> magic johnson you never get to touch it it's like your playmaking town's not gonna be that it can't be elite it's not possible because you don't have the ball enough you don't you're not doing it in a big enough volume um but i went and looked at his total offensive load relative to his playmaking talent so i wanted to look at how much of the offense burden he has versus the playmaking he's creating for others and he was definitely on the side of like there's players that are better playmakers relative to their load so basically like they're overachieving on playmaker. i don't know if overachieving is the right word but they are performing uh well as a playmaker they're out out playmaking their load. I don't know how you want to say this. Basically, all I'm trying to say is Bradley Beal is somebody that benefits from having the ball a lot. That helps his playmaking talent a little bit. Like he's still making plays for others when he was playing at that really high level, that really high all-star level. He was creating opportunities for other people and they were high quality opportunities. And that's really, really valuable here at Basketball Index. If you can create high quality looks for teammates, the playmaking talent's really going to like that because obviously that makes a lot of sense. That's pretty much the most valuable thing. There's the volume component, like how often you're creating shots for others and then what that quality is like. There's other things that go into playmaking talent, but obviously those are the things like it really hones in, in on because that's you know obviously going to be valuable. So he can put, this is the weird thing with Beal. I go through the whole thing where it's like, yeah, he can, he's pretty good at finishing. Like that's probably his biggest strength is a mid-range shooter. Like, the three-point shooting isn't terrible. The playmaking talent exists. Like, he he will playmake for others. He does look to score first, but some of that scoring gravity is going to create for others. One-on-one, like, he's a pretty good player. Like, he's a well-above-average one-on-one player relative to other on-ball players. But, I don't know, you just get into the issue of this guy's a good player. That's really... how long? How long did it take me to say this? We're like 18 minutes into this recording. Maybe I'll edit it down a little bit in post, but he's a good player. But he's going to be the fourth highest paid player in the league. That's the rub with Bradley Beal. That's the problem. Because if you trade for him, you you are going to have to give something up. Because like he is a good player. And I just threw together, I did a top 75 ranking in the middle of the season. I just updated that post-playoffs. I have him currently as the 39th best player in the league. I have him as a building block player, right? This is somebody that can be a top three guy. I think he really fits in as the third best player on a team. He's rumored to the Miami Heat. This makes sense where it's like the Miami Heat need more offensive punch. Beal being on that team, I think would fit well alongside Jimmy Butler because both of them are able to play on and off ball, which is good. He will provide scoring pop, which they really need. And realistically, they'd probably give up Tyler Hero in that trade. So they would kind of swap out as the shooting guards. And then Beal is just a better player than Tyler Hero Um, right now in their careers. It's not really close. So I don't know. I don't know what to say about Bradley Beal. He's good. He's a pretty solid player across the board. He's not a good defender. He's a bad defender. Um, He is bad at that. (laughs) He has never really been good on ball doesn't generate a ton of turnovers. 
D. LeBron, some real rough seasons. He is a good player. He's a good offensive player that can score in volume. These are the problem. Like these are the types of players that are never going to be as valuable as other guys. Because like his efficiency is above average for his career. That's like the first thing I always look at. Where it's like, okay, he can score on volume above league average efficiency. That's really, really important. That's that will in itself make you a good player. But he's going to need to be on a good defensive team around him, right? He needs that because he's not a good defender. So you're going to be like hide him and you're going to need to make up for what he can't do. And the heat makes sense for that. And he can kind of do a little bit of everything. He can score at all three levels. He can score on volume. He can do it on ball. He can do it off ball. He probably would benefit from being a little bit more off ball. He's being overtaxed a little bit in Washington, what they're asking him to do. But you just run into the problem of, this guy is the fourth highest paid player in the league. He's going to be under contract for four more years. Like he's even making $46 million, then 50 million, then 53 million. Like there's not that many players making 50 million in the league. Like let's look down the road into the 2024, 25 season where there are only seven players making 50 mil. And it's just really difficult to, create a roster where like so if they trade him for tyler hero tyler hero is gonna be making about well for easy math we're gonna say about 30 million so you're gonna swap them because you need the contracts to be close there's gonna be other guys in the deal but they're gonna be the main guys if he goes to miami and it's difficult because you have bam's contract you have jimmy butler's contract and then you have bradley beal and then it becomes difficult to fill out the roster with other good players we've seen this before when teams try to have a big three you can do it but you need your big three to really dominate because the rest of the league it's like you're gonna have like a mid-level exception and then you're gonna have mostly vet mins that's pretty much how it's gonna work now with the new cba i know there's like a second tax apron i've like read a lot about it but i'm gonna be honest i can't talk a lot about it yet because i don't know enough about it we'll probably have to have like a, a a cap person on the show to explain it but basically they're making it harder for teams to go way over the cap they're making it so teams are going to want to stay under so it's going to be really difficult to have three big contracts my take is bradley beal best player on a championship team not possible you're just not going to win second best player uh maybe I don't think so, though. Like, it's I'm not saying it's it's not impossible, but it's not likely. Third best player, it's like, okay, this team is very good. This team is dangerous. Like, the Heat, I think, make the most sense. Him and Tyler Hero are the easiest swaps. They play the same position. They're similar players in that they're score-first players that don't really defend. The difference is Bradley Beal is in the middle of his prime and Tyler Hero is a pretty young player. I don't know if Hero becomes a better player than Beal or not. Whatever. That's not really what this is about, but it would be a clear upgrade for the Heat. They would be able to acquire him because – so Beal has value, right? Like I said, he's a top 40 player in the league where those players are – you got to give up something to get them. But this contract hurts his trade value because he makes it difficult to be competitive when he's on your roster because you need him to like already join a good team. I guess, I guess this makes sense why he's being traded now. I don't know. You can definitely hear, I'm trying to make this make sense in my head. The heat make the most sense. I know they've talked about the Suns, but I don't know how Beal, Kevin Durant and Booker. I mean, that's enough talent to where like, it doesn't really matter, but you don't really have like a, 
primary ball handler. I guess you could have Beal in that role. I don't really think that's where he's his best. He is more of a scoring player, but that's the same thing with Booker. It's like Booker's a scorer, Durant's a scorer. And like I said, it probably doesn't matter because you just have enough overwhelming offensive talent to where you have a whole year to kind of figure it out. But those are the two I've heard to be rumored. I know he was rumored at Golden State a year or two ago. I, I don't I don't see how you'd make the money work, but I think the Heat definitely make the most sense for him. I think the Heat have the ammunition to go get him. It would probably be, I'm trying to think, Tyler Hero, you need a little more salary filler on top of that, and then you'd need picks. I'm trying to think, Tyler Hero and two first rounders, I would think would get you Bradley Beal. I think that deal would make sense because Tyler Hero has value. Tyler Hero, I think, is a... I don't know if I've decided if he's a building block. He's either a building block player or a possible building block player. It's just one of those things. If if Tyler Hero was four years older, he would make a lot more sense on the Heat right now because he'd be in his prime. And then you know they'd be they've are they're already a dangerous playoff team. He basically didn't play in this playoff run, and he is uh, a a positive player. I think it's easy to say. So yeah, that's my, my Bradley Beal evaluation, his trade value, which is, I think in return, you need a player, a young player that's pretty good. And then a pick. So here's the thing, like it's always hard to like value this. So you need to get back a player of value. And then you'd also probably need like two first round picks. So like, uh, Anfrey Simons is a player that, is probably in that realm with the Blazers. I don't really know if the Blazers would really want to make that trade financially. I don't think that makes sense. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is a player of like that caliber. Tyler Hero. These are players that are like somewhere between top 75 and top 100 players. Like they're young. They have potential still. They look pretty good. And then you package that with like a, a, a couple picks. And I think that gets you Bradley Beal. But once you have Bradley Beal, you now have probably one of the 10 worst contracts in the league, I would say, which is weird because he's a productive player. Like he is a good player. He's very capable of playing on an all-star level, but you're paying for a possible MVP candidate. That's really the issue. And that's where the problem with him is because like he's probably not going to win an MVP and he's going to be paid like it. And it's just going to be difficult to overcome that problem when it comes to roster construction. So that's that's long enough on Bradley Beal. Uh, I feel like throughout this podcast, <laughs> I did a lot of prep this morning, and I was like, okay, going through his offense, defense, skill set, all these things, I'm trying to figure out like what teams he could be rumored to, reading some news about it. And I still feel like in the second half of that episode, I came to – uh, some new conclusions. I feel like this is a new theme of the episode. I don't know if you can hear it in the tone of my voice where I'll decide something. I'll be like, oh, I just realized something after talking about it for... Uh... It's like what they say in therapy. We're like, you're like, I don't understand how I could ever figure anything out in therapy. I'm just going to be talking. Like I already... this These things already happened. Uh, everything in Bradley Beal's career has already happened, but somehow talking through it for about 30 minutes... I came to some new conclusions. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you want to talk more about Bradley Beal or whatever it is on Twitter at Taylor Metrics, uh, if you haven't subscribed to the show and you want to, please subscribe. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index podcast. <laughs>